Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. We'll also feature John Martellaro of the Mac Observer and Dan Frakes of Macworld Magazine. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com, and we've got an incredible story for you neighbors, something that may or may not make sense. To me, it doesn't make very much sense, but it's all about a guy. You can't call him a human propeller head, can we? Or is this a new kind of discrimination in the 21st century? Avram, what's this all about? So some are calling this the first cybernetic hate crime. Dr. Steve Mann, who is a pioneer in cyborg technology and wearable computers, uh, claims that he was assaulted at a Paris McDonald's on July 1st. Some background on Dr. Mann. Since the 80s, he's been developing his own wearable headsets. Long before Project Glass was a twinkle in, in Google's eye, he was wearing what he calls mediated reality, not augmented reality. It's, it's kind of similar concept headsets which record what he sees and filter it back to him and give him constant internet access. And I know Dr. Mann a little bit because he used to write for me back in the late 90s, early 2000s when I was working at About.com and he had a column on wearable computers. Unfortunately, our relationship there came to an end when he had problems using our CMS because it didn't look good in his eyepiece. But Dr. Mann is really an extraordinary individual who's developed things way before other people and he lives this lifestyle every day he wears his wearable computer every day and has since the 80s does he have a normal family or or what he does have a normal family he has a wife and two kids Uh, he doesn't talk about them a lot he is a guy who is very cagey with personal details but i have heard him say that his wife has worn the gear I don't know if she still does. No other members of his family were wearing the gear at the time they went to the McDonald's in question. But he does seem to have a normal family life. He works full-time as a professor at the University of Toronto. And I understand this guy is a tenured professor. He's a real guy. Yeah. I mean, and I went to University of Toronto one time and I visited his lab and he's got a whole bunch of graduate students in there banging on wearable computers and building little neat little devices. And it was actually a real thrill for me to go there and see people working on this kind of stuff. And we're talking about when I was there as maybe 99 or 2000 and no one was thinking about augmented reality back then except him. And And I should point out, I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry on Steve Mann. If you look at him without the headgear, He's a perfectly normal guy with normal beard, normal face, regular guy. Yep, but he's developed this technology and he wants to live this lifestyle and I can't help but admire that even if you know the rest of us don't necessarily want to get as involved as he is right now. So he's really taken it to another level where people are wearing, starting to wear Project Glass. Members of Google are starting to wear Project Glass around all the time like Sergey Brin. Dr. Mann has surgically implanted his gear so it cannot easily be removed. He has a metal sensor net over his head, which he shaved his hair for. I believe it's called a mind mesh. He I've heard that. of mind melds, but not a mind mesh. 
that he calls a mind mesh. It has actually sensors that read brain waves, although it doesn't do, I think, everything that he hopes it's going to do in the future, like be able to actually broadcast sensory things like vision directly into the brain. Part of his research on this is designed to help vision-impaired individuals. Perhaps someday the blind will actually be able to see by having something like this mind mesh feed the images directly into their brain from the camera totally going around the optic nerve. But right now that piece of it isn't working exactly that well, but he is using sensory information from it. The glasses that he has are permanently attached and can only be removed through some wrench work or maybe some surgery. So when Dr. Mann entered McDonald's, according to his account, he was confronted by an employee there who was unhappy with the possibility that his headgear might be photographing or or videotaping people in the establishment because both uh, France as a whole and this in particular McDonald's don't like public filming without permission. So he presented the McDonald's representative with a doctor's note that he carries with him at all times, which I think is kind of interesting. I asked him for a copy of the doctor's note and he hasn't sent it to me yet citing medical confidentiality laws, but I'd love to see what it says about the medical reason he needs this. Yeah, but it seems strange to me that if this is because of medical confidentiality laws, he still has to produce that note to people who question his right to wear that headset or whatever it is in a public place. Right, so why not share it publicly? That's Besides, right. it's his own confidentiality that he's violating, and he's trying to get his story out there. But we'll see about that. But he, according to his account, he presented the note to the McDonald's employee who accepted the reasoning in the note, uh, which apparently has been accepted by a lot of places as, that he went to, including, he said, some museums. And you would think they would really have some qualms because he's walking around looking at artwork and paintings and effectively photographing them as he walks by. Obviously, there's intellectual property issues there, but they accepted it. So they let him order his chicken wrap, and he and his kids and his wife sat down by the entrance. And then, according to his account, he was approached by another employee out of the blue who was unhappy with his wearing this headset and tried to rip it off of his head. And when he handed this other employee the doctor's note and said, hey, this doesn't come off my head, the employee apparently showed it to a couple of other friends of his and then ripped up the note in front of him and pushed Dr. Mann out on the street, you know, physically assaulting him. So he tried to get some satisfaction from the authorities in Paris, from the Parisian police, from writing to McDonald's, and nobody, according to him, took his story seriously. So he went out and posted a a blog post earlier this week, which went viral. And there have been a lot of accusations going back and forth. McDonald's says it's conducted an investigation and they admit that they kicked him out, but they say that he was just asked to leave. He wasn't physically touched. Then, of course, Dr. Mann produced a photo taken from his headset that actually shows uh, one of the alleged perpetrators grabbing the glasses from the perspective of him, the glasses wearer. So it's uh, one of those cyborg said, McDonald's said disputes that we all come to know and love. Okay, but in this case here, of course, there is a photograph of what really went on. So if they're going to say that's edited, that he did they, this in post, special they, effects? I mean, they could. We haven't yet gotten a response from them about what they say about the photo, but they, they could obviously come out and say it's edited or maybe it just looks like the guy is touching his head or, well, gee, he just accidentally brushed against him. Who knows what McDonald's will say? Honestly, we don't have videotape of the incident. And 
One interesting little aside here is that Dr. Mann claims that his ITAP glass, which is what the name of his headgear is, actually does not store images permanently. It feeds them to him and then erases them, but somehow when it was damaged, it didn't erase the images from this incident and he recovered them. But he claims that they're actually not by default stored permanently, but actually just kind of cycled through. So basically he's saying this provides enhanced vision but not storage. Correct. The goal of the enhanced vision, which I find really quite interesting, is that it can provide you with augmentation of what you see. Like, obviously, we're all familiar with things like apps on our phone like Wikitude or Yelp, where you look at things like a restaurant, you see the reviews, or you look at a landmark like the Eiffel Tower, and uh, and you see some information about it. It can do that. It can also remove things from your field of vision because Dr. Mann doesn't like to see advertisements. So he's talked about actually having it take something that looks like a subway ad or a bus ad or you know, marketing on the wall and actually blank it out from his field of view. So basically so, his gear has a built-in ad blocker. Correct. Now, if only it worked with your ears and you could block out songs you didn't want to listen to, you'd really have something. Or you have a temporal ad blocker where it fast forward you through time in 30 second increments so you don't have to watch the ads on a TV show. We have Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine with an amazing story. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Hi, this is Steve Spillum for Midas Resources. In 1971, President Nixon took the United States off the gold standard and put us into a fiat currency. This allowed Congress and the Federal Reserve to create trillions of dollars out of thin air. The national debt has risen to incredible heights, and your hard-earned dollars buy a small fraction of what they once did. The average life expectancy for a fiat currency is 27 years. The dollar is failing and on borrowed time. When currencies fall, people turn to gold and silver because gold and silver have been real money for more than 5,000 years. It is our mission at Midas resources to help you preserve your capital. Don't let your personal savings shrink to nothing. For important free information on how you can protect your personal wealth, contact me, Steve Spillum, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. Call today while we are still accepting dollars for gold and silver. 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. Make a change in your financial security today. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. 
American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American owned by patriots like you, passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. With Avram Bilch of Laptop Magazine, I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. We're talking about Dr. Steve Mann, who is possibly the original propeller head. But it's not propellers. He's wearing this headgear. He's not Batman. He's not Robin. This is something that's part of his lifestyle. He's almost a performance artist, isn't he? Yes, but he doesn't do this to get attention. I How think can you of, not get attention? <laughs> he, he does get attention, but I was kind of surprised when I was briefly working with him and he was a a writer for me how when we kind of approached him about doing things like hey do you want a life cast which is something that people weren't really doing back in the late 90s but now you have obviously a lot of people like justin tv or whatever walking around life casting 24 7 for the uninitiated life casting means broadcasting your life from your perspective in real time and he had done that as a proof of concept, but he wasn't interested in really continuing to do that just to show people what it was like to broadcast 24-7. And I think that would have actually been really compelling internet content. So I don't think he's in this for the attention. He has been featured in some documentaries and some news, but honestly, he's more interested in his research from I can tell about him and the, the idea that he would go to McDonald's and make up a story about being assaulted seems really, really spurious to me. It's out of character from the person you know. 
it's out of character from the person I know. I mean, yes, he is a, certainly an eccentric fellow. There's no question if you talk to him, if you communicate with him via email. I, I tried to do a phone interview with him, and one of the most interesting things I, I learned about him is he has an iPhone. And he said that his iPhone was broken, so we couldn't do the call and let's do this via email. And I find that really interesting because 10, 12 years ago when I was had him as a freelancer briefly, I talked to him about – Hey, I you know I want to introduce you to some of our other writers. Here are our writers that cover Windows, and here are our writers that cover Mac. And he was very opposed to things that weren't open source. So it was kind of funny that to hear that he's using an iPhone rather than something of his own invention to make calls. So basically, one of the things here that we've seen him become is he's become the microcosm of Big Brother. That is, if everybody wears this outfit, we are all Big Brother. I, I really don't think so. I think we're all little brother because – But collectively, comes, we're big brother. But it really depends on where that information is used. And I think this story is so compelling not because of the you know he said, she said about whether or not he was assaulted and they touched him or not, but about the concept of what happens when you've got a whole bunch of people walking around wearing – real-time cameras on their heads 24-7. How does that change the way that we act? How does that change our laws? How does that change our expectations in life? Right now, even though a lot of places have CCTV, we operate as if we're living in our own little world of privacy. So when you think about it, if you knew that wherever you went, you were being recorded and that could be shared with someone, would you act differently? I think that's pretty well true because we have hundreds of millions of smartphones around the world. Most of them can take at least passable movies or photographs. They can. I think the difference here is between capable of taking video and always taking video. When you whip out your smartphone, you're taking a video of something because you've made a decision. Hey, this is interesting. The cat is doing something cute. Let me grab this. But if it was recording 24-7, every moment of your life, then – Even the things in the periphery of your vision, the person sitting across from you at McDonald's, that uh, stranger on the subway that's acting weird, all of those things become part of the digital landscape of things that are captured. So it's not just a matter of, will your friend that you went to McDonald's capture everything you said to them, even things you might be embarrassed about, but will the person, the stranger sitting across the room capture it and i can understand why people would be afraid of that but at the same time i think we need to realize that the digital enhancement of our memory and our senses is coming it's inevitable and we're going to have to change as a society to accommodate that we're going to stop expecting things not to be filmed we may want to set some expectations on how they're shared though I mean, can you imagine if you're going into an important business meeting, you're going into your doctor's visit, you know, you're going into your into a visit with a therapist, you're going into a job interview, whatever it is, and you're wearing one of these things, and they're saying to you, "Hey, this this is kind of under embargo here." I mean, as a journalist, you know, every week I'm going into meetings with vendors who want to show me a new notebook or a new phone. Uh, that isn't out yet, and either I have to actually sign a document or it's understood that I am going to obey their non-disclosure agreement and not publish about this device until they tell me it's okay. 
And what happens if I'm sitting there you know, wearing a device all the time? Well, I think it still works provided that what I'm seeing isn't shared with everyone and then it, the onus is on me not to share it. So you have to trust everybody. I kind of wonder about this guy's kids because the kids obviously know who their father is. And how do they treat them at school? I don't know how old these kids are, so I'm not about to specify, except the fact that they went to McDonald's indicates to me that they can't be more than in their teens or possibly younger. So in that case, what do they say in class? Say, oh, your daddy's a propeller head and he's a wacko, and it's got to be pretty strange and sometimes difficult. I really don't know how it's playing out for them, and I do know that he has a daughter who is old enough to be taking French in school, and she placed the order in French. So we do know that. But honestly, I, I don't think I want to get into, you know, maybe his kids are have a lot of friends who think your dad is really cool. He's doing something really cutting edge and unique that no one else is doing. I personally can't have any feeling but admiration for someone who is willing to do something a little different to kind of push the envelope of their te- of technology personally, even if other people are going to say it's awkward. I'm sure the first person to carry around a giant Zach Morris phone was laughed at for trying to talk on the phone uh, with this giant thing. But- you have to also wonder about people who are walking in the street with an earpiece, and they're talking to somebody on the phone that's in their pocket. Now, a few years ago, you might have thought these people are maybe missing a few screws. Now, it's perfectly normal. It's perfectly normal to see people walking all over the place talking to themselves. Of course, they're not talking to themselves, I hope. Sometimes sometimes a person is crazy, and sometimes they're, they're actually talking to a real voice in their head. And you know what? It's only the distinction is only going to get blurrier. So, bottom line, don't make assumptions about people you don't know, because they might actually be a lot smarter and more with it than than you know. Maybe that maybe that cyborg sitting near you in McDonald's is actually, you know, a world-renowned pioneer who's trying to build technology that's going to help the blind to see someday. You know what? I think we'd like to get Dr. Steve Mann on the show. I don't know if he'd come, but I'm very, very curious about him, and we'll see what happens. We've got a lot more to talk about with Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com 
Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. (laughs) Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. Okay, let's look at visions, ladies and gentlemen, with Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. Vision number one, the post-PC era. That's what Steve Jobs talked about, you know, the... PC is the big Mac truck, but we all want to drive our cars, and our cars are tablets, particularly iPads. And then we look at the vision of Steve Ballmer of Microsoft about not a post-PC era, but a PC Plus era where Windows expands to other devices, Windows everywhere. It's a vision that they've been expressing for many years. So do we take both seriously? We take neither seriously? What do we do? I think the reality is... 
that we are in an era where your PC is still extremely important. Will Windows 8 tablets replace tablets with mobile OSs like Android and iOS? I, I'm not sure that that's going to happen 100%. I think it may make a dent. But I think what we are seeing is an era in which the PC, whether it's a PC or a Mac, the desktop computer slash notebook computer, the desktop operating system, continues to be the center of most people's digital lives. Yes, tablets are important. Phones are important. Augmented reality goggles are important. You know, computerized watches are important. But the full-fledged computer that you own is still going to be important. People are still going to own them, and they're still going to be the device that you turn to when you really need to get something done. The evidence just isn't there that people are not that are, are going to want to use their iPads when they have to write a proposal for work, a term paper for school, or do something really serious like that. Okay, but there is a line of demarcation where the need for the PC leaves off and the tablet fulfills many of the other purposes. I've talked to people who will take their iPad on the road with them, and it's because they're not necessarily writing long documents. They'll write short letters, a few paragraphs, they'll edit something. They get that done. It's really the typing of the long documents where things go awry unless you're taking the accessory keyboard, and even that's a bit of an awkward stretch. Exactly. So that's what I think we should be thinking about when we think about the PC Plus era. It's your PC plus things like your iPad, your Android tablet, your phone, and each one of them serves a different purpose. But when you want to get serious, when you want to really do the work, you're going to be on still using that Windows or Mac OS computer. But when you want to do something mobily and you want something that's lighter and thinner, then you're going to use a tablet. And maybe that tablet will be running the same operating system in Windows 8. Maybe it'll be running a scaled-down version of Windows 8 called Windows RT. Or maybe it will be running another operating system like Android or iOS. But I think it's a fallacy to say that people are just going to take their desktops and laptops and throw them in the trash can and use tablets to do all of their all their serious work in the future. But maybe instead of buying two or three notebooks, they'll buy one desktop, one notebook perhaps, just one computer, and have the iPads or whatever do everything else. And of course, Apple's vision is that the iOS and Mac OS X, or OS X as it's now identified, must be separate because you interact with them differently. They cannot be the same. That's kind of forcing the square peg into the round hole. We don't want to use the metaphor of the toaster oven and the refrigerator. Whereas Microsoft still wants to think they're the same, but then we look at this public beta of Windows Office 2013. And you have to think here, with Office 2013, it pays some lip service to gestures. You know, There's a way where the toolbar expands for gestures so you could aim at them properly. But everything else is traditional dialogues. So is that just too schizophrenic for a reason? I think that Windows 8 has a has a uh, multiple personality disorder at this point. And there are no and, pills for it, ladies and gentlemen. And somebody needs to do something about it. I think they've got a really solid interface in Metro 
and they have a really good productivity interface in the window desktop. But when you're switching back and forth rapidly between them, sort of like a character on One Life to Live, then then you run into problems. So the issue is, you know, you've got your apps and a lot of the apps that you have now and are going to continue to have are so-called desktop apps that run in a window, that have toolbars that aren't really quite big enough to be touched with your finger. Even the Office, uh, even the Office 2013 toolbar, when put into touch mode, isn't that much bigger or more targetable than it is in regular mode. So it's actually not that helpful of a change in, in my brief experience with it. You know, but, the pictures I see, and I haven't touched it yet, the pictures I see, it does look like each individual icon is maybe twice as large, but that may not be sufficient unless you have really small fingers. Right. I mean, when we tried it on a tablet they gave us, it looked just a little bit larger and easier to target. But I think the issue is all programs really need to follow what Office 2013 is trying to do which is work in both environments, and then the user should decide what the environment is rather than the application. Because the problem with Windows 8 is it is forcing the user to adapt to the application rather than the application adapt to the user. I mean, who's the master and who's the servant here? Your computer is supposed to be a tool for you. You're not supposed to be a tool who has to use your computer. So the problem here is that Microsoft, in its zeal to make people... Uh, to show everyone that it, it has a wonderful touch-friendly interface, it's saying to developers, okay, so from now on, you're going to develop these touch apps. And then to users, well, we realize that a lot of your apps, a lot of the best apps that have been out there are actually desktop apps. And we also realize that if you have multiple monitors, if you're really into productivity, actually the windowed mode is better for multitasking. It is a better experience to have you know lots of windows next to each other so you can switch back and forth. But we're so into tablets, we're so into touch that we want to make sure that people are seeing our Metro interface. So we're going to make you go through our Metro interface instead of a start menu, even if you don't want to. And we're going to have some of your apps be full screen and look like Metro. And then some of your apps, even some of your Windows apps like Notepad and Paint and all of that actually be desktop apps and take you back to the desktop. And what I'm saying is Microsoft's not wrong to pursue this touch-friendly interface and to offer it to readers. But I think that they're doing their users a, a disservice by not letting the user choose what UI they want to be in. So Apple has taken a different approach and said, we're not going to force-feed our notebook and desktop users a touch-friendly interface. We realize that when you have a keyboard and mouse and a big high-risk screen that isn't necessarily touch-friendly, we're going to give you a different UI. And I think Apple has a point there, but I think what Microsoft is trying to do is is really good. They're trying to create a common platform so the applications can run, on, the same application can run on your tablet as on your notebook. But you as the user should have the ability to, while using the same underlying operating system, decide what UI works for me on this form factor. It's not being forced into an unpredictable environment And the question I have about Microsoft's approach, I understand they want to change things. I understand they want to find relevance in the mobile platforms where they haven't done that so far. I understand what they're trying to do. It would be nice if they succeeded. It would give one more avenue of competition. But part of the problem here is that 
maybe they're not considering end users and how they're going to react. Consider the enterprise. Now, with Windows 8, I'm running a business. I'm depending on Windows for my workflow. doesn't matter what apps I'm running. I'm depending on Windows for my workflow. Maybe I'm running Windows XP even still or Windows 7. I now have Windows 8, and I confront the task here. Well, it's so different. I've got to go back, get my IT people to get up to speed about how best to deploy this new operating system. Then I have to invest in training my employees to cope with the changes because they're drastic changes. It's not just like going from lion to mountain lion on the Mac platform where you have new features, but most everything that's there runs the same as it did previously. It can get confusing. We'll get into more of this in a moment with Avram Pilch at Laptop Magazine, laptopmag.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then... A coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. We all know there are secrets behind closed doors in every relationship, and one of the biggest is that men are losing libido, or sexual desire, especially if you're a man over 40. The problem could be declining testosterone levels. Remember, it's testosterone that makes a man a man in every way. That's why we created TGen. TGen is an all-natural formula with ingredients proven to boost your own testosterone. Optimum testosterone levels mean better mood, energy, and of course, better sex life. Here's Gina from California. My husband tried one month of TGen, and we both noticed his desire increased right away. He felt the difference in his energy level. I certainly liked the other effects it had on him. Great product. And now for the first time, you can try TGen absolutely free for 30 days. Just pay shipping today and see the incredible results for yourself. Call 800-822-5941. 
800-822-5941. TGen works, or you simply don't pay. For your 30-day free trial, call 800-822-5941. 800-822-5941. The man who predicted the fall of communism is now predicting the fall of capitalism. He's dined with the Rockefellers, hung out with the Clintons, banged heads with the Beltway, and inspired companies, movements, and empires that have brought forth revolutionary change. He sat shoulder to shoulder with figures like George Bush Sr., Steve Forbes, Margaret Thatcher, and Boris Yeltsin, to name but a few. And his volume of work set out his groundbreaking financial newsletter, Strategic Investment, was so far ahead of its time, it helped transform not just the fates and fortunes of thousands of investors, but also the fates and fortunes of entire nations. For the first time in 17 years, he's back once again with his first controversial video presentation. Go to fallofcapitalism.com to watch him reveal a landmark development, which he believes will set off the most violent economic reversal in history, one that carries the power to bring down the entire capitalist system. Go to fallofcapitalism.com to watch his controversial video before the powers that be wipe it from the internet. Again, it's www.fallofcapitalism.com. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. Before the break, I posed the scenario here. The Enterprise, already they embrace Windows for their workflow. Are they even going to consider Windows 8 at all? No, I, I really think that if, and I would actually love to do this as a story, if we went out, we surveyed and got an honest answer from IT managers at the Fortune 500 con- companies or, or even just a, a sampling, I don't think they're going to touch Windows 8 with a 10-foot pole. I think that a lot of them are still waiting to do their deployment of Windows 7 to move from XP to Windows 7. So they're planning to probably skip over Windows 8, even if it was the most wonderful operating system in history. They'll probably go for Windows 9. But I really have to wonder what this does to purchase some new devices. Because since the operating system is so alien and different from the prior user interfaces that people had on XP, Vista, and 7, uh, simply because users are going to be forced into this Metro UI the minute they boot up the machine, I think that it's going to affect purchase of new devices. So there's always a question in IT of, well, do we even bother? We have all these computers. We don't like to replace them every year. We like to keep them for three, four years plus. Do we even bother upgrading this, upgrading operating systems? I don't think a lot of companies go through and send the IT people around to actually update the operating system on existing hardware. Some of them do, but that's a lot of hassle. But then there's a question of, okay, so we're buying new computers. We realize that every new computer we buy from HP, Lenovo, Dell, you know, major business notebook manufacturers is going to come with a current OS, which in October, starting in October, is going to be Windows 8. So what are we going to do? Are we going to actually pay for a downgrade? Because there are still companies that are paying to downgrade to XP. A friend of mine had her husband start a new job not long ago, and they gave him a brand new ThinkPad, current model, running Windows XP. And this was in 2000, 2011. Let me understand how this works now. You're paying for the Microsoft operating system on it when you buy the computer. You can't get it without that operating system. You have to get an operating system. But if you want to downgrade to XP or whatever, you have to pay another license fee to the vendor? I believe that's something that they actually 
charge you for it. Now, I think the interesting question, which I haven't seen any reporting on, and I am kind of dying to find out, maybe now that this week Microsoft actually announced a release date, we can get some details from notebook vendors on this, is do you plan to offer downgrade rights? I can't believe that they won't plan to offer this because, as we've discussed, everyone in enterprise is going to want to buy their stuff with Windows 7 on it, not If they didn't, if they didn't, you can see sales would go down. Right. They, they can't. So then the question is, how easy are they going to make that on businesses? Are they going to charge them a lot of money for that? I remember uh, with Vista, there was like maybe a $10. You know, it wasn't the cost of buying a complete copy of XP. It was like $10, $20 you'd pay for downgrade. Then the question is, is this going to go over to consumers too? Are consumers going to be running out asking asking for downgrade rights? How 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 is this going to to play out in the consumer market. There are some people out there who are very excited about Windows 8. It's got some wonderful new features. If you're buying a touch device or a, a hybrid device like the upcoming Lenovo IdeaPad Yoga that bends into a tablet from being a, note, a notebook, you, know, you can really see the benefit of having this Metro UI on there. But I think for a lot of people, they're going to look at this and say, man, i got to learn something new. And not only do I have to learn something new, because look, people aren't, aren't dumb. They can learn how to use a new thing. My mother's used Windows for 20-something years. We gave her an Android phone, which obviously is a different user interface. And within a day, she was loving it. So I don't think that people are, are unable to, to learn new things. I think the problem comes with sort of the jarring back and forth. Like you're in a desktop window, then all of a sudden you change tasks and you're back in Metro. And one of the worst things about Windows 8 is that it actually treats all the desktop applications that you're running as one item when you're trying to task switch. So you could be running like four Metro apps and you could be running like 10 different desktop apps. But when you go to the task switcher, every, the, just the desktop itself is, is shown as a task and not the applications that you're running within it. So there alone, they're kind of saying like, well, we still have this desktop for you, but it's just kind of a legacy thing that's hanging out there. And we really hope that you're never going to use it again, but of course that's impossible. And if you're using Office 2013 when it comes out, you're still going to be living in that desktop. Yep, no question about it. No, No question about it. So I think Microsoft has a real challenge ahead of it. I think some of the hardware that's coming out is going to make Windows 8 compelling, but only on that hardware. So if you've got a tablet and you're running Windows 8 on it, that could be really interesting. If you've got a hybrid system like the IdeaPad Yoga or the Asus Tai Chi, that could be really interesting. But if you're buying a run-of-the-mill notebook, it may not be that that compelling to you. Now, one of the things that I think we're going to see as a result of Windows 8 is that very soon almost every notebook sold will have a touchscreen. doesn't mean it'll bend into a tablet shape or be a really workable tablet, but users will now have the option to reach across the keyboard and start swiping things and touching things because the incremental cost of adding a touchscreen is going down and because Windows 8 really kind of requires a touchscreen to give you the best experience, I think you're going to start to see a lot of devices that have touchscreen whether whether you need it or not. Except, uh, of course, for a Mac. Correct. Because Apple doesn't believe that the touchscreen on a traditional PC layout really makes a lot of sense. It's interesting. Uh, you know, is, does it make sense? We've gotten a few notebooks in here at, at Laptop in the past couple of years prior to Windows 8 that had touchscreens but were not tablets. 
And I've tried reaching across the screen and tapping it. And my thought was, A, this is kind of inefficient. Like it's a waste of time for me to pick my hand up off the keyboard and reach out to touch the screen. That's like milliseconds of my life. I'll never get back again. And second of all, I'm obstructing the content by putting my fingers on the screen. Like, oh, if I want to look at this picture, but zooming in and zooming out on it with my fingers, my fingers are covering part of the picture. And then, thir- and then thirdly, I'm getting fingerprints all over the screen. So... If I sound a little, uh, you know, like a crotchety old man uh, when I say, you know, touch isn't right for everyone, I apologize. But there are definitely are some disadvantages to touch. But the powers that be, Intel, Microsoft, obviously, you know, all the vendors really believe that to excite people about technology, they need to provide touch, whether it's ergonomically a great idea or not. Well, we have to see how that works out. We have to see what's going to happen with touch and where it will expand, and whether people are finally going to care about the Windows tablet. They haven't up till now. Microsoft has a lot of a battle to fight. Definitely true, but I think whether or not Windows 8 is a success, the concept of the PC isn't going anywhere. PCs are better at multitasking, and by PC I broadly mean something that runs a desktop operating system, your main machine, isn't going, isn't going anywhere. You need the ability to have something powerful for doing multitasking, and you need something that provides you with a lot of processing power locally. One of the big misconceptions that a lot of people have is that cloud computing is going to obviate the need for processing power. Even the people who make mobile devices don't believe that because if you look at the evolution of smartphones and tablets – the processors are getting faster and faster. We now have quad-core processors in a number of phones and tablets. Why would we need that if cloud computing served all of our needs? Well, cloud computing is strictly a storage medium. It has nothing to do with processing power. Well, It's just another it's, way. Instead of having the hard drives and all your files there locally, some are moved off elsewhere. Not, that's not 100% true because look at all the things that we offload to the cloud for processing. Take Siri, for example, right? Voice recognition. So a lot of the time with voice recognition, you're speaking into your device, then it's uploading your audio to the cloud, and then the cloud is doing the work of interpreting what you said and sending you back a response. Sure. In, you- some areas, in some areas, I can see where that makes sense. But and, you can't replace everything that way. Exactly. And, and, that's what I, and that's what I'm saying here. I think some, some people really believe that, okay, everything is going to go into the cloud eventually. I mean, you have services like OnLive for gaming where you may not need as powerful a video card anymore because it's only going to be sending you the images while a computer somewhere in some server farm is actually doing all the hard work of rendering your game. But when you look at it, at no time soon will the cloud be as good as your local as your local device. It will not be as available. It will not be as instantaneous. And therefore, you're going to continue to need local power. So if it's going look- to be a combination of the best of the cloud and the best of local power. Avram Pilch, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. So you can read all of my columns at laptopmag.com slash geeksgeek. Follow me on Twitter at geekinchief And read all of our local news, including the latest about the cyborg alleged assault at laptopmag.com. Okay. Avram Pilch, thanks for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Always a pleasure. Our 
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Now at DeseretFoodStore.com, sign up for a one-month supply of delicious food for only $99 with free shipping. That's right, only $99. Gourmet restaurant-style meals with a 30-year shelf life. Packaged in heavy-duty Mylar bags for easy transport and freshness. Meals like stroganoff, lasagna, teriyaki, five-bean chili, granola pancakes, and much more. Visit DeseretFoodStore.com, spelled D-E-S-E-R-E-T, foodstore.com, or call 801-444-1444. Food for now, food for life. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. And we've got so many things to talk about in the next four segments. I don't know where to begin, so let's start with a product that you're evaluating from Otherworld Computing, which is MacSales.com. It's a solid-state drive, is it? It is a solid-state drive, but it's very interesting. Normally, uh, you would insert a uh, solid-state drive as a serial ATA device, say, into the bay of your uh, Mac Pro. However, this is special. It goes into the PCI Express slot in a Mac Pro or an XServe, of which there are several. And that affords you much greater bandwidth than the normal uh, serial ATA2 bay. And it is two banks of SSDs with a Sandforce controller. So it's the one I uh, looked at was 480 gigabytes. And it consists of 240 gigabyte SSDs that are RAID 0 striped to get even more speed. So it's awesomely fast. And Otherworld Computing says that they've tested it in the, in the 800 megabytes per second transfer range. It's about twice what you normally get from a really good SSD. Yes, at least. Yes. It's, it's a fabulous device. It's, it's easy to install. In my case, uh, it's, I used it with my 2009 Mac Pro. 
snapped off the cover and took off the uh, cover plate for uh, port number two. In, in that particular model, it doesn't matter which slot you put it in, the X16 or the X4, you'll still get full performance. And you just plug it in and uh, you know clamp down the uh, cover plates for the ports, snap the uh, Mac Pro side back on, boot up, and it looks right away like a 480-gigabyte drive. It's formatted HFS+, Plus out of the box, and, and GUID partition, and it is bootable. It's the only PCI Express SSD card that is bootable. So I right away installed Lion on it and did some testing, and it is a fabulous product. Now, I understand, ladies and gentlemen, that the hard drive is a very large part of your Mac's performance. A lot of stuff is written to the drive, written from the drive. So you get a really fast drive. He's talking about something here that's just amazingly speedy. It makes everything Uh, run faster. It's like giving yourself an accelerator. It it breathes new life into your uh, Mac Pro. It eliminates the lag associated with spin-ups of drives and the the latency of a hard disk and the potential for uh, rotating parts to fail. Uh, If you've used an SSD in, say, a MacBook Air or an iMac, you know that it is just an awesome experience. It completely changes the character of your machine. No more spinning cursors. It's silent. Everything happens right now. To give you some perspective, I tested uh, an external FireWire drive, and it was about 80 megabytes per second. And the internal default factory drive on my Mac Pro clocked in at around 200, 250 megabytes a second. And I got a solid 610 in my case. So I'm switching to it. And uh, I wrote a review at the Mac Observer recently on it. And um, part one was the installation and the benchmarking. And then uh, I'm going to use a time machine uh, load to uh, make it my boot drive and uh, sort of write a part two on it and daily experience. But uh, I got to tell you, they are expensive. Uh, The 480 gigabyte drive that I was given for testing retails at around $800. Whoa. But... It, 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 think of it as a total new way of working with your Macintosh. And, you know, you can do better than that. If you want to get the 240-gig version, it's 399 And what you can do is you can put Lion on that, and you'll have uh, plenty of room left over. Uh, and then you can think about, you know, one of the drive bays in the Mac Pro uh, for storing your iTunes library and your home directory and stuff like that. So you really only need a, you know, you could get by with a 120 or a 240 to, to boot up your machine. And those aren't too expensive. It's going to take a few years before prices come down to a level that makes sense for everyone. I have a question for you here. Maybe you have an answer or not. They are now announcing breakout boxes, PCI breakout boxes for Macs with Thunderbolt. So in theory, then, if you buy one of those breakout boxes, you can hook up one of these drives to it. Absolutely. Uh, the uh, Thunderbolt speed is uh, 1.25 gigabytes per second, 10 gigabits per second. So this drive can almost saturate the Thunderbolt port if you have a Thunderbolt connection on your computer instead of, you know, say a Mac Pro or you've got PCI Express slots. So... That opens huge doors to have a, a desktop storage device connected to your Thunderbolt, you know, MacBook Air or your Thunderbolt iMac. Yes. It's fascinating. Offhanded prediction. How long do you think it's going to be before large solid-state drives are reasonably priced, like, say, getting 
four hundred eighty for like two three hundred dollars. Well, when I bought my iMac in two thousand ten, um, I had the option of an SSD or a rotating drive, and and my wife has an iMac with a terabyte drive, and I've been doing testing on it and installs and things like that. I decided no, there was just too much lag, uh, and so I sprung for the two hundred and forty gigabyte option on this 2010 iMac and that cost me an additional 400 bucks uh, for 240 and you know I, I try not to put too much stuff on it um, and it's about half full and uh, so it served me well for two years and then I came into a MacBook Air with a 128 SSD and it's silent and it's fast and it's a joy to use so personally you know I'm not going to be buying any more computers with rotating hard disks for boot and I would say that, you know, it's, it's pretty affordable in a MacBook Air uh, if you get the 128-gigabyte drive. Uh, so I'm thinking in summer 2013, uh, there's going to be a switchover point where I think more people than not will be uh, buying their Macs with SSDs by default. Certainly that's the direction Apple wants to take it. I'd be curious to see when the next iMac comes out. And some are betting it might be next week with the expected release of Mountain Lion. If that's the case, what the extra solid-state drive will cost. Now, I just looked at the pricing, okay? So if I want, instead of the standard terabyte drive on the 2011 iMac, to get a 256-gigabyte solid-state drive, it's ridiculously priced. It's $500. So you have to think, well, maybe by the time well, they get it, the next revision out, it's going to be, what, 250 300 That shouldn't be that expensive. Yeah, and in my review of the uh, what, uh, what OWC calls this Excelsior, the RAID Zero device, um, I said that you know you really have to think long and hard about buying a serious desktop Mac like an iMac with a 27-inch screen, and then settling for a hard disk in it. Uh, you don't need a terabyte uh, boot drive. You know, all you all you need is a you know 128 gigabyte SSD or 240. And then, you know, you can store your stuff somewhere else and get fabulous performance. So we're talking here about, for example, we're talking here, for example, of your boot drive, your operating system and your applications. But all your document files can be on a traditional hard drive and you're still gaining most of the benefits of solid state. Sure. Sure. It's application launching. It's, uh, you know, it's virtual disk. It's, uh, you know, the operating system itself. Um, everything seems to go faster on an SSD, and it changes your whole perspective. Once you've used a Mac with an SSD, you'll never go back. And if you've got the extra money to spend now, I strongly recommend it. And as you said, prices will only come down. Now, Apple bought a company in Israel that develops flash memory. So it's very possible they'll find ways to increase the density of flash memory and keep the prices the same. So if you pay, for example, $800 for the other world computing for the 480 gigabyte drive, maybe next year they can do twice the capacity for the same price and get that 480 down to like three $400. That would right. be amazing. That would be, I think, a point where it's going to reach critical mass. Where this OWC product comes in is uh, on the Mac Pros because, you know, we the, the community is concerned that... Um, Apple may uh, not uh, do a new Mac Pro, or if they do a Mac Pro, it might be a different kind of product. It might have not have as many uh, PCI Express slots. It's like um, the comparison so in the old days to the Mac 2CI yeah. and the Macintosh 2X, which was a difference of half the slots. We have someone who was never 
halfway here, but 100% John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. We're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwoods. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Jim Newcomer from Minus Resources, July 20th, 2012. Gold opened this morning at 1578.90. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1618.64, 809.32 for a half ounce, or 404.66 for a quarter ounce. That's 1618.64, 809.32, and 404.66. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with wise foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit Big B-E-R-K-E-Y waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or go to BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. All whey protein powders are not created equal. Fresh liquid whey has been used for hundreds of years to restore health to the sick and youth to the aging. Why is it that no one reports these benefits from today's whey protein powders? It is because they are all processed with heat or chemicals which damages them, making them a burden for your body and making it more likely to cause allergies. One World Whey's True Cool process retains all the powerful properties of fresh raw whey in a concentrated powder. One World Whey is speeding up the body's ability to get healthy and it is replacing the need for many other supplements. To learn how One World Way may help you with fat loss, the elimination of inflammation and pain, detoxification of heavy metals, intestinal health, brain function, and increases in strength, energy, and muscle size, call 888-988-3325. 
Mention coupon code KNOCKOUT and you'll receive a free tube of knockout pain cream with your order, which eliminates soft tissue pain in 10 minutes for 90% of users. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. With John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, we started off with solid-state drives, a very interesting product from Otherworld Computing or MacSales.com, company run by Larry O'Connor. By the way, started that company, I guess, almost as a teenager. I mean, he's got he the, did. He, he was, did. He started selling Apple II memory for less than Apple was selling it for, and he started making lots of money. He was working out of his bedroom, and he was buying parts from Japan and creating these little memory modules for Apple II and selling them for a great price. Yeah. <laughs> and it just zoomed from there. It was and now amazing. he's got this humongous business going. Yeah. It's almost like this other story about an 18-year-old guy named Brent Oxley who starts a web hosting service called HostGator. And now 10 years later, he sells it to a larger company and takes a paycheck of $225 million. Wow. He's worth just about as much as Mitt Romney. And he's 28. Brent Oxley. He's been on the show, by the way. Really cool guy. Okay. Topic number two. Mountain Lion more iOS features. Good, bad, or ugly? I've been looking at Mountain Lion. I've got the uh, Golden Master installed in Parallels, and I've been playing with it and looking at the feature list. And what I think is that there isn't much to worry about in terms of iassification or Apple going off the deep end. You know, Snow Leopard was developed before the iPad was released, and Snow Leopard was sort of the apogee of the perfect GUI on top of a great Unix operating system, and there wasn't maybe too much more to do with that. And then this great new product came along, the iPad, and it introduced us to new ways of doing things. And so in Lion, we started seeing some features that were like iOS appearing in Lion, and everybody freaked out, including me. <laughs> and many of us writers became concerned that with the incredible populator, popularity of the iPad and the rather modest sales of Macs uh, compared to PCs still, that Apple was going to somehow damage OS X for the Unix gurus who, you know, like their ways of doing things. But Lion introduced these features and got us all alarmed. But if you look at Mountain Lion, what Apple has done is that they haven't gone overboard in the sense of carrying that too far. Instead, with Mountain Lion, they've just added usability, brought it more into concert with the iPad. They've made the apps look and operate more alike with each other. They've introduced notifications. The features of Mountain Lion were inspired, so to speak, by the incredible friendliness and the usability of the iPad. And that's not a bad thing to do for a desktop operating system. So I'm not really concerned about 
what I've seen in mountain lion in terms of, you know, severe iosification and and severe deprecation of what we knew and love is is OS ten. My impression looking over a mountain lion is that it feels more refined than Lion. Lion was the first effort to add some iOS features, and it seemed to be like halfway there. But this one looks to me very complete. Exactly. And I like the idea of the, the, the refinements. You know, you've got things like, like uh, the uh, sharing over, um, the, the mirroring over um, AirPlay. So you can put whatever's on your Mac uh, on a TV if you if you have an Apple TV. You've got you've got sharing. You've got the power nap. Uh, now understand that AirPlay mirroring requires more recent Macs. Not all Macs that support Mountain Lion support that. And the other feature is only for this year's Macs. Well, um, I assume that AirPlay mirroring as a feature of Mountain Lion will will function on any Mac that's It has to have qualified graphics hardware, which is qualified. No, I think it goes back to like 2011. They have to have certain graphics chip capabilities. Uh, it's the graphics uh, chips that's responsible. So that's one of the reasons. The power nap is just a specific number of solid-state drive-driven Macs. Okay. Uh, the other thing I like about Mountain Lion is uh, Gatekeeper. I've written a lot about that lately, and there's been a lot of fuss about Gatekeeper and and the uh, sandboxing of applications. I think this is a, a, another one of the refinements in Mountain Lion that is really going to help uh, the average customer with security. Uh, the, the way it works is, is that developers are modifying their apps to have a digital signature from Apple. It's a certificate. And that is folded digitally into the application. When it's launched, the operating system looks at the app and says, is this digitally signed by Apple? Is this an authorized app? And if so, then Mountain Lion will allow the app to run. If it's one of those apps that you know you picked up at the flea market and you have some doubts about and you have the default setting in Mountain Lion, it's just not going to run. Uh, you can tell Mountain Lion, you know, I want to run any app anywhere from anywhere, anytime, and loosen the setting. But the default is is that you know it's a, it's an app that's signed by developers, and that's going to go a long way towards helping the average customer avoid experimental stuff. You know, you see something on the internet, you're you're at a website, and, you, and you, you, you're tempted to try out an app, but it's not from a developer who's deeply involved with Apple and has that digital signature authority. And it just keeps malware off of your computer. That's going to be a really nice addition. Let me just tell you, I just looked up the requirements. According to Apple, PowerNap for Mountain Lion requires a Mac notebook with built-in flash storage, may require a firmware update. Now, the other one, which is the AirPlay mirroring, requires iMac mid-2011 or newer, Mac Mini mid-2011 or newer, MacBook Air mid-2011 or newer, MacBook Pro early 2011 or newer okay that was all about cool. the graphics hardware cool so there you go apple always has those terms and conditions i mean it's not so bad but you know everything else is apple is not putting in that feature just to get you to buy a new mac though they probably like it it's because they feel that the hardware in the older macs won't support a good user experience it's not like certain other companies called microsoft where they add a feature because it sounds good in the PowerPoint presentation or in the advertising. But 
Apple wants to make sure the feature delivers a good user experience. This, I guess, is the logic behind abandoning a number of older Macs for Mountain Lion that could run Lion. It is they have to have the proper graphics extensions and all this other stuff. The other thing to consider is is that since the iPad came out and we're into this uh, AirPlay business, Apple is uh, introducing cross-compatibility, not only in the appearance of you know apps like uh, Notepad and, and email, but they're also introducing functional cross-compatibility. And, and so uh, I'm not alarmed that, that Apple has these requirements. Uh, you know, if you just want to sit there and running Unix operating system, open up a terminal window, you know, all, all you need is a, is a 68030 <laughs> from motor, from, you know, from the old days that I used to run uh, Unix on. So, But you want stutter-free graphic special effects, movies, right. playback, airplay mirroring, which is basically looking at a graphics processor that gives seamless performance on your Mac and on your flat panel TV. And you need the proper graphics hardware. We also need to tell you, right. we have John Martellero of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. We've all heard the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover. A wise saying for sure. Now apply that wisdom to nutrition. Don't judge milk by the animal. Camel milk, the best kept health secret ever. See for yourself at camelmilkforsale.com and look for the summer camel milk special. Loaded with health benefits far superior to other milk, camel milk has antibacterial, antiviral, and anti-tumor properties, is rich in B vitamins, and is three times higher in vitamin C than cow's milk. 10 times higher in iron. Plus, it contains 52 units of insulin-like proteins per liter, effectively lowering blood sugar levels. Many of our members testified that drinking camel milk reversed diabetes and greatly improved autism. Camel milk comes fresh or frozen from your trusted local family farm, shipped on dry ice to preserve freshness. Go to CamelMilkForSale.com now and look under Products and Pricing for the Summer Special with free bonus pints. That's CamelMilkForSale.com. Introducing a Diabetes Breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. 
Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money back guarantee waiting for the side effects disclaimers with mds forte there are none order a 25-day treatment of mds forte by calling 213-405-5355 213-405-5355 or visit bestbloodsupport.com that's bestbloodsupport.com for mds forte a diabetes breakthrough <coughs> are you still a traditional smoker Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. Just a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Friendly Integration, the makers of the Eyeballs line of unique iPad cases and accessories. You know, Eyeballs provides ultimate drop protection for parents with young children, educators, and clumsy adults like me alike. Learn more at www.iballs.info. That's balls with a Z. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTHOW. The promo code is TECHNIGHTHOW to receive a 20% discount on your order until August 1st. With John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We were talking about the iOSification. A mountain lion, it doesn't seem so severe. It's, you know, okay, so messages used to be iChat. And address book becomes contacts, and there's some interface changes. But the nice thing about it is if you're using an iPad, you're using an iPhone, you go back and forth among these products, as Apple hopes you do. You don't have to figure out what product is what. Well, it's contacts here, it's address book there, it's iChat here, it's messages there. You don't have to worry about that. Works pretty well. And by the time some of you hear this show, Mountain Lion will be available for download at $19.99. And look in contrast, because of that, and obviously because of that, the upgrade to Windows 8 will be $39.99, twice the price, but not twice as good. So there you go. Let's move on to some of the other topics we're going to address. And one is, I'll give you the title, okay? And this is probably an article that John wrote, Design Patents and Big Money. And I'll preface this by the fact that Apple had a lawsuit against, I guess, Samsung. They've won a few, lost a few. But a British judge recently instructed Apple to run ads stating that Samsung's tablets 
didn't copy the <laughs> iPad because they lost a case in Great Britain, although they won it in other countries. I mean, this is insane. Well, you know, I don't know how many of uh, the listeners recall, but there was a big lawsuit back in the old days when Apple first came out with the Macintosh, and they simply trademarked the design of the desktop metaphor. So you had folders, and you had trash cans, and you had drop-down menus, and there was a big lawsuit with Microsoft. John Scully made the mistake of opening up the door with a license agreement with Microsoft, and they drove a C-17 through that little tiny door. That's a very large cargo aircraft. and ran with it for all it was worth. And, of course, they ended up with Windows 3 and then Windows 95, and it just went down from there. So you can blame John Scully for Windows. Basically, yes. The result was a giant lawsuit between uh, Apple and Microsoft about this. And it sounds all very reminiscent. The judges back in those days said, well, you know, this trash can on Windows looks different than your trash can, Apple. You know, you can't control the idea of somebody putting a trash can on a desktop. Well, that big loss drove Apple towards, and other companies, towards the idea of instead of trademarking their appearance, patenting various key elements of the operating system and the user interface. So the concept of a trash can is subject to a patent so everyone would have to license it. Would they have known then? Think about it, though. Sometimes patents are really screwy. Like, think of one-click ordering. You click once, and it records all your information that you set up for your billing and your address, and you place your order. One-click ordering. Amazon got the patent for that. Now, I don't know why, because it's such a generic logical, common-sense idea. So Apple has a one-click ordering system, as do other companies, on their online storefronts. What do they have to do? They have to write checks to Amazon. So what's what's the cause of all this? The, what's happening is, is that companies come up with, they think, are very intuitive, natural ways to do things. Apple is well-known for this. They have a Jonathan Ive and, and his design team and, and Steve Jobs back then uh, all had a, had a wonderfully intuitive idea about how to operate, say, a tablet. And this swipe to unlock kind of thing seemed very natural. And, and so you want to keep other companies from copying you, so you patent this idea. And the patent office seems to be all too willing to go along with that. Another company comes along and says, you know, that's so well thought out. That's so fundamental. That's so intrinsic to how humans think about operating a tablet. It's only logical. We just gonna, it's, it's so logical. We're going to copy it. Take us to court. And we've got really good lawyers. And we're going to look for, you know, pre-existing art. We're going to claim that, you know, that that, that kind of thing is, isn't a valid patent anyway. And so companies are leveraging off of Apple's designs. Now, Tim Cook legitimately says, you know, we'd like people to come up with their own ideas rather than copying us. But, but it, turns out, a point, it turns out it's very profitable to copy Apple. <laughs> you know, yeah, but think of it this way, though. There are some things about a product that are only logical, like certain product lines can only have a certain number of form factors that makes sense in a common sense way and once you deviate from that you get all sorts of craziness and the question is here are too many patents that are just straight common sense a logical point where you approach a product design or are they real innovation and so for example if you look at star trek generations or star trek next generation back 
in the 1980s, and they're using tablet computers. Can you say rightly that the iPad was influenced by that, even though Apple can show prototypes in the early 2000s? Oh, of course. Well, what of about the, the, guy who invented, the guy who invented in the early 70s a tablet-based computer? How can you say that the tablet that Apple developed, the iPad, was not influenced by those things? Well, you know, at the Mac Observer, we had a story that uh, they showed a uh, iPad prototype from 2002. This was a result of Judge Lucy Coe uh, allowing the release of certain documents that Apple had submitted. And it's so like I said, they've been working on this that. product for a decade. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And in 1994, the, there was a, a Knight Ritter prototype experiment where they worked out all the details of how we would read magazines and newspapers on a tablet. And uh, some companies have even gone back to 2001, a space odyssey where astronaut Bowman is working with some sort of tablet on his desk as proof of prior art. So, so what happens is, and I wrote about this the other day, you get, you get these cultural memes. You get intuitive ideas that percolate through the technical culture. And if you go against the grain on that, like Motorola did with the Zoom, you get ridiculed. And if you go with the grain, like Samsung has... You get sued by Apple. Then you get sued by Apple. But what Apple's finding out is, is that these other companies have portfolio patents themselves. And they can pull rabbits out of the hat. And they can say, well, yeah, well, you've got that patent, but you violated this patent that we own. And we're so big and we're so rich that we have this huge patent portfolio that we've bought and we've developed. And we've got this arsenal that we can use against you. And so it goes round and round and round. Sometimes the rulings are contradictory. So Judge Coe is going to say, Samsung infringed on the iPad, but a judge in the UK says, no, it didn't. You got to run ads saying that it didn't <laughs> right. infringe. Now, how do you explain that? You've got, and you've got the patent law, and it does change the patent laws in the US. And I wrote a little piece about this, and this is something about America Invents Act, or AIA. Now, this new patent law, which I think dates back to 2009, it changes the first to invent to the first inventor to file. So it's not when you invented it, it's when you actually submitted the application. Now, this gets screwy because a big company with teams of lawyers, you know, when the designers over at Apple and Microsoft and Google, they build something that's different. They've got the lawyers sitting there documenting everything, and hour number two after they finish the invention, sign off, they send it to the patent office. They send a check to the patent office and say, here it is. Now, if you're a little guy with a little company, how do you compete with that? Well, that's not the, the key. What, what the key is, is that the big companies are competing against the big companies. The little guy has no, no chance anyway. Well, of course, we're getting it's to so one level. One level is it's brinkmanship against Samsung, against Motorola, against copying. Google. It's everybody. Sure, sure. And so it just goes to show you that patent system, uh, as we know, it is broken. It, it shows that companies that are large and wealthy with good patent portfolios can successfully defend themselves and wage war against each other. And it's very difficult to come out with a product that is intuitive and adheres to that technological cultural meme such that you can close out the competition. I mean, look at this the standard smartphone. Let's continue this. This portion of the Tech Night Out Live was brought to you by Friendly Integration, the makers of the Eyeballs line of unique iPad cases and accessories. Learn more at www.eyeballs.com eyeballs.info that's eyeballs with a z use the promo code tech night owl to receive a 20 percent discount on your order till august 1 we have sure. john sure. martellero of the mac observer i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night owl live yeah. 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours too. We take a very simple but proven three step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. We all know there are secrets behind closed doors in every relationship, and one of the biggest is that men are losing libido or sexual desire, especially if you're a man over 40. The problem could be declining testosterone levels. Remember, it's testosterone that makes a man a man in every way. That's why we created TGen. TGen is an all-natural formula with ingredients proven to boost your own testosterone. Optimum testosterone levels mean better mood, energy, and of course, better sex life. Here's Gina from California. My husband tried one month of TGen, and we both noticed his desire increased right away. He felt the difference in his energy level. I certainly liked the other effects it had on him. Great product. And now for the first time, you can try TGen absolutely free for 30 days. Just pay shipping today and see the incredible results for yourself. Call 800-822-5941. 
800-822-5941. TGen works, or you simply don't pay. For your 30-day free trial, call 800-822-5941. 800-822-5941. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. We're talking about the patent conundrum here, about all the problems here. And just as another point of order here, a lot of times companies spend more money on getting patent portfolios or filing legal actions against other companies than in research and development. That's true for Apple. You know, look what Google did. They bought Motorola Mobility. Why? Well, Motorola Mobility has had you know, pretty good smartphones and tablets, but not doing so well. Why buy a company that's not doing very well? Oh, they got a lot of patents. We need those. Yes, yes. And, and, and the example I was given before the break was is that if you look at uh, phones before 2007, we had these stupid uh, flip phones. They were incredibly hard to use. They took photos, but you couldn't get the photo out of it and onto your Macintosh successfully. You couldn't surf on the Internet. It, they had incredibly bad, abysmal user interfaces. With and by the way, a lot of those keys. early smartphones or flip phones, the early flip phones, which right. imitated the Star Trek communicator, were made by Motorola. Now, look at today, 2012, and look at any company's offerings for t- smartphones. Guess what? They all look just like the Apple iPhone, especially the Androids. Um, look at the tablets. You've got an Apple tablet that came out in 2010. It was great. There was nothing that could touch it. Two years later, guess what we have? We've got Microsoft and Tiles and Metro. We've got Jelly Bean on Nexus 7 from Google. And guess what? They all look a lot like the iPad. It is really hard to get ahead, control your product, and stay ahead of the competition. you got to keep moving and have good lawyers and a rich patent portfolio and lots of money. And even then, uh, you can't stifle the competition. No, and we look here at these patent wars going on in courts. They're going to go on for years. I mean, even, for example, Samsung loses the case in America. So they file a appeal. And then maybe another judge will say, you know what? We don't go along with this. We'll change it. Then Apple files an appeal. And they get another judge and it goes back. And you wonder if it ever gets to the Supreme Court, how will they rule? You can't predict it. I mean, we can look at the political persuasions of the Roberts Court. But in the end, Supreme Courts can be unpredictable. Look, for example, at the so-called Affordable Health Care Act or Obamacare ruling. A lot of people didn't think that Roberts would side with the so-called left wing of the court. And he did. Who can predict it? You can't predict what these courts are going to do. And you can't predict what a court's going to do, any individual judge, about these lawsuits. So until the system is fixed and it's broken, Apple and Samsung and all these companies have to go about suing each other. And we understand that when, because it happens in the movie business, show business too, when one concept succeeds, everybody jumps on the bandwagon. I think phase one was Steve Jobs' comment about going thermonuclear against Android and righting the wrong. And that has driven... Tim Cook and Apple's executive team and the uh, attorneys to try to secure the the writing of this apparent wrong. 
I think phase two will be uh, Tim Cook and these other executives quietly working together, saying, look, we're spending a lot of money. We're getting nowhere. Let's start talking about how we can work things out. And then Apple can go behind the scenes and come up with you know, new innovations, continue to go forward. But this, this stuff in court is just wasting everybody's time and costing far too much money. You have to think that over time, things will be done quietly. Licensing yes. will happen behind the scenes. They'll yes. realize it's going to happen. Now, we understand Judge Coe tried to do this with the CEOs of Apple and Samsung. They couldn't come to an agreement. But you also have to look at the fact that in the end, Samsung needs Apple because Samsung makes lots of money from Apple buying their parts. They could lose a lot of money if Apple buys those parts elsewhere. So in the end, even though Samsung is a big, humongous company with many divisions, each of which runs separately or autonomously, in the end, I think there's got to be a settlement somewhere down the pike where they're going to realize this is crazy. And maybe right now what's playing out is the last gasp where all the publicity is being played out and behind the scenes they're getting ready to deal because what else could they do? There's no choice. And, and I think the other thing that's in play here was is that um, Apple got burned in the 80s by Windows and, and lost considerable market share and almost went out of business. The iPad jumped out ahead got tremendous market share and Apple is probably hoping that they can avoid the mistakes of the past and maintain incredibly great market share as opposed to you know some sorry day in 2017 when the iPad has 5% of the market and Microsoft tablets have 95% of the market they're desperately trying to avoid Nobody that. believes that that's going to happen the surface nah, not, is but, uncompleted it's vaporware and nobody believes that thing is going to be a big Yeah, but I think, I think Apple's driving towards making sure that they stay there. And that, of course, colors the decisions that they make about trying to stay in that position. So does that mean we're going to see a small iPad? 7.85 oh, inches? Oh, I have a bet with Erica Sadun on that. Bless you, Erica. You're going to have to buy me lunch. <laughs> You're 100% yes. on that. Yes. Uh, Apple got caught with its pants down. Uh, Christmas of 2011, Amazon saw an opening for a media product at the right price. There was a gap in Apple's product lineup. They didn't make that mistake with the iPod. Right away, they came out with the iPod mini in colors that appealed to a lot of people and had a lower price. So Apple is going to rectify that situation by closing the gap in its product line. And it's going to sell for 249 which is only 50 bucks more, and people will be willing to pay for that. Because it also has a lot more screen real estate. To go into the Apple though, store. It'll, well, it'll be 7.85 inches instead of... Right, but it's going to be a 4-3 aspect ratio, not a 16-9, which means you have more vertical space if you view horizontally. <laughs> it's going to have 66% of the screen display of the full-size iPad, whereas something like a Kindle Fire or a Nexus 7, they're widescreen, they're only 40-45%. The biggest complaint that I've seen, and my wife is also one of these complainers, is that the standard size iPad is just a little too heavy to hold in your hand on the bus, on the way to work, or in bed uh, when you're reading. It's just too heavy for a young person or a, a small woman to hold in hand. And uh, the companies are taking advantage of that. And of course, we've seen all the rumors, but the rumors are starting to solidify. You know, we go through phases where first there's a rumor and then we hear about from Digitimes and suppliers and executives and then there's a controlled leak out to the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. So we go through phases. Yeah, and when it appears in the Wall Street right Journal now. or the New York Times like you it's know, a real story we know or it's Fortune good. magazine or somewhere else, you have to say, you know yeah. what, 
they're not making it up. It's not just your Mac That's rumor it. site du jour. Apple is sending the information out there, putting a scare into these other companies. So by September, October, you get the iPad mini. And what does it do? It shuts down the Nexus 7. It shuts down the Kindle Fire. Game over. Yep. Well, it's not going to shut down these other products, as we talked before. But it's going to keep them from a rapid uh, inroad. Because, you know, once... Once you start uh, finding a weakness in a company's product line, you figure out ways to expand on that weakness. And so what we want to do is eliminate that. What Apple wants to do is eliminate that. They're trying to do what they do with the iPod, which is they cover all the areas, all the bases. With the iPhone, their trick is to just basically sell an older model for less money. And that seems to have worked so far and probably will continue. So, for example, when the iPhone 5 or whatever it's called comes out, the 4S will become the cheap model. The 4 will replace the 3GS as the free model. Exactly. And that, as you said, has worked out very well. And that's an uh, interesting uh, product uh, philosophy. You know, we had thought, many of us thought for a time when the iPhone first came out that there would be sort of an iPhone mini, you know, a smaller, less expensive version, uh, especially when the iPhone first came out. Remember, we didn't have sub- subsidized plans. We had to go in and pay real money for the original iPhone. And so there was some thinking that uh, there would be a cheaper phone for teenagers with a modified contract so that it wouldn't be so expensive. But Apple found a better way to do it. So the iPhone 3GS is free and iOS 6 will be compatible with it and support you know most of the features. There will be a few things that are graphic intensive that will not work on iPhone 3GS But where it works, it works pretty well. I have a client who uses one, and I thought, oh, it's as slow as the devil thing because I have an iPhone 4S. And I tried it, and you know what? It still works pretty good. And I think for most people, it's free, or it's $1.99 or something with a two-year contract. That's great. Why do they need to worry about anything else? It works perfectly. So Apple will continue that tradition, and we look at the iPad mini or whatever being the way that Apple surrounds the market for tablets the way they did it with the iPod. Not every size, but sizes that make sense. What makes sense is to ask John Martellero, where do we find more of the stuff that you write about? Well, I am senior editor for the Mac Observer, and you can find uh, everything I do at www.macobserver.com. Mac Observer, one word. And I hope to see you there. John Martellero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Gene, it was a pleasure to be on the show again, and um, I'm looking forward to next time. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the 
people grow cotton, wheat fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. The man who predicted the fall of communism is now predicting the fall of capitalism. He's dined with the Rockefellers, hung out with the Clintons, banged heads with the Beltway, and inspired companies, movements, and empires that have brought forth revolutionary change. He sat shoulder to shoulder with figures like George Bush Sr., Steve Forbes, Margaret Thatcher, and Boris Yeltsin, to name but a few. And his volume of work set out his groundbreaking financial newsletter, Strategic Investment, was so far ahead of its time, it helped transform not just the fates and fortunes of thousands of investors, but also the fates and fortunes of entire nations. For the first time in 17 years, he's back once again with his first controversial video presentation. Go to fallofcapitalism.com to watch him reveal a landmark development, which he believes will set off the most violent economic reversal in history, one that carries the power to bring down the entire capitalist system. Go to fallofcapitalism.com to watch his controversial video before the powers that be wipe it from the internet. Again, it's www.fallofcapitalism.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. From Macworld Magazine, we have Dan Frakes, who has been immersed in OS X Mountain Lion since we last talked to him. So immersed that he's in a position where He can tell you some stuff about it, but because it has not been officially released and won't be probably for a few days after you hear this show, well, you know, we've got this non-disclosure agreement that Apple enforces on people who get developer copies, and we don't want Tim Cook to come to your house. Because if (laughs) Tim Cook comes to your house, it's going to be nasty. If you thought that Steve Jobs was nasty, Tim Cook does it quietly. (laughs) And he's not too far from where I live, so I can't – yeah, I should probably be careful. He's listening, I think. Tim? (laughs) Stay away. We'll say nothing, except the fact is that if you go to Apple's website, apple.com, you look at the mountain lion stuff, guess what? 99% of what he's going to tell you, or could tell you, or what he knows is on there. The only thing he can't tell you, of course, is things about the performance and the experience. Now, things we can mention, of course, is the update requirements. Now, for various reasons, certain older Macs that could run Lion no longer could run Mountain Lion. Why is that? Well, there's a few. I think part of it is there are a few models out there that are actually just they, – they, they work with Lion, but they don't work on Mountain Lion because they're just too old, right? There's, there's a number of them. Uh, but there are some and online. You'll hear some complaints about this where people say, wait a minute. This worked fine under Lion, and it still performs pretty well. Why doesn't it work? Uh, from everything we've heard, it has to do with the graphics capabilities, that the video cards in some of these older uh, Macs, especially some of them that had, for example, the um, – the Intel integrated GMA 950 that just can't handle some of Mountain Lion's features well enough where Apple feels like it's, you know, recommended to have them. So they've basically said, no, if, if, if it's not good enough to do what we want it to do, especially in the graphics area, we're not going to support it. And so it's left some three, four, five-year-old Macs out in the cold. Now, there's some Macs even newer that are out in the cold. If you have a Mac Mini before early 2009 or newer, we're talking about, what, three and a half years? Yeah. 
doesn't work. The graphics hardware, as we say in the business, sucks. Isn't good it, enough. My yeah. son has a 2008 black MacBook. Okay? 2008 black MacBook. Guess what? It runs Lion. It will not run Mountain Lion. It's all about the graphics chips. Also, I gather there's also something about the fact that these machines, the older ones, do not boot a 64-bit kernel. It's a 32-bit kernel. Does that make a difference? Yeah, and some of that is actually related to the graphics things. Um, ours did a really good – ours Technica did a really good article on this last week. And part of it was that the graphics drivers themselves on some of these old machines, even if the graphics capabilities might have been up to snuff – the graphics drivers were actually 32-bit drivers and were never updated to 64-bit. And Mountain Lion requires basically a complete 64-bit system. So it's a question also, even if the chips were up to it, Apple would have to spend money to develop the drivers. But if the graphic chips aren't up to the task, why bother? Right, right. And and that's pretty much where they would come down on. And the the truth is, is that if Lion worked on your on your machine today, if it works well on your machine today, it's going to work well on your machine in a week or two when Mountain Lion is out. Uh, there, there, there are just going to be some people who can't go beyond Lion. And you know, four years, three and a half, four years ago, it's a pretty, it's a pretty decent amount of time for uh, for uh, for a state of the art operating system. And so, you know, I feel for those people, but I also think that some of the things that Mountain Lion delivers. We wouldn't want to put those aside because we want to make sure that a four-year-old MacBook still works, right? So I can see both sides here. But uh, I think most people who've got a relatively recent Mac are going to be happy with it. Now, there are other system requirements. So, for example, AirDrop, which is kind of the new file-sharing replacement, pretty much nothing older than 2009 except for the late 2008 MacBook Support that. Right, and that's a function of the wireless hardware, actually. Glenn Fleischman did an article for us for it about, excuse me, did an article about it for us. Um, I think it was last fall, maybe early this year, where he goes over the requirements. And it's, it's essentially, it's using technology in newer wireless cards to be able to do this, which is why, if you notice, AirDrop is only works over wireless. It doesn't work over Ethernet. And a lot of people have complained and said, wait a minute, come on, this is faster. My my network here in my office or my house is wired. Why can't I use it? And the answer is because it's using um, technology that's specific to wireless chips. So it's all about the technology. Now there are some other requirements too. Apple talks about AirPlay mirroring. Before we mm-hmm. list the requirements, what is that? Well, if you've ever tried to, or if you ever used your iPad or iPhone to mirror the device's display onto, say, your Apple TV, it's basically the same feature. What it means is that if you've got an Apple TV in your house uh, and you're sitting on your couch with your MacBook, you can show everybody else what's on your MacBook screen by just clicking the AirPlay button in the, in the menu bar, and then suddenly your, your Mac's screen shows up on your TV. And, uh, you know, not only is it useful at home for, like, showing pictures or, or showing people what you're working on, but a lot of people are starting to use this in schools for in their iOS devices in schools and businesses to show presentations on an Apple TV. Instead of having to be wired to a projector, you can just take a $99 Apple TV and connect it to the projector and then send your presentations or your photos or your or your lessons over wirelessly to your to your screen. And so now you'll be able to do that with a MacBook or an iMac or you know any any Mac that supports AirPlay mirroring. Unfortunately the oldest Macs that do were last year. Right, right. And that, again, has to do with the uh, video card technology because uh, air, what AirPlay mirroring does is it 
basically uses hardware encoding on the Mac side to create a compressed image that I believe it's it's a form of H.264 uh, um, uh, compression. And it does that on the Mac side, and then it sends it to the Apple TV to decode. And any Mac older than the uh, early 2011 models doesn't have that hardware in its graphics in its graphics chip. Okay, and there's one more. We have a feature called PowerNap. Mm-hmm. What is that? So what PowerNap does is, you know, it's it, it's it's kind of the, the name's kind of misleading because it really means is like power nap and wake up. And uh, what's going on here is that when you put a, a a Mac that supports this feature, if you put one of those to sleep, it will periodically wake up in the middle of the night or or during the day when it's closed and check to see if you have any software updates available, if you have any mail, if you have any calendar events that have changed, uh, any kind of things that your Mac would normally sync using the Mac App Store or iCloud. And it will check for those things and automatically download them and then go back to sleep so that when you get to your Mac, say, in the morning, you open it up or, or wake it up, all your stuff is updated and there waiting for you. Uh, but as you said, this supports only... Uh, it supports a specific set of, of computers, and that's essentially MacBooks that shipped with an SSD. And so it's so, a MacBook Air late 2010 or newer right. and MacBook Pro with Retina display. That's right. it. And in fact, um, the MacBook Air, the early MacBook Airs, I believe even require a firmware update to get this feature because it wasn't built into their firmware. So, So right now it's a very limited feature, but... Clearly, the direction Apple's going is that more and more Macs are going are gonna to ship with SSD drives, right? Solid-state memory. And so I think we're going to see this feature find its way into more and more Macs as those Macs, as you get an iMac with an SSD, as you get other MacBook Pros with SSDs. This feature is going to work its way across the line. So Apple is always looking at the future. And the contrast to this, if you look, for example, at the system requirements for Windows 8, Almost any PC in the last six, eight years is sort of going to be able to run it. But sort of. isn't that really holding back on delivering good features and performance because you've got to support all this very, very old hardware? Well, you know, I think the big difference here is that it, one of the differences between Apple and Microsoft is that Microsoft, I, I don't know if you remember when Vista came out, Microsoft said, okay, it supports every PC for the last however many years, but you could sit down in front of a of, of, a, of a PC running Windows Vista, and depending on when that PC was made, the experience you had was very different, right? If it was an old, uh, or excuse me, if it was a new PC, you got all the features, all the eye candy, all the new, you know, graphic stuff, um, everything that Windows Vista could do, you got. If you sat down in front of a, of a Windows machine that was five years older, it basically looked completely different. You know, it the, gave the, you like a restricted interface. It's like right. not having the support and the graphics hardware for the fancy aero visual effects. We have a fancy visual effect here from Diane Frakes of Macworld. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Mm-hmm. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You can save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Hi, Jason Lewis here. Anybody who's been listening to my program knows how shaky the U.S. economy is right now. Will we have a V-shaped recovery or will it be a W-shaped one where the nation slips back into recession? Of course, if you think that Washington can spend or inflate its way out of a downturn, you've got nothing to worry about. But as you know, I have my doubts. So let me tell you about gold. Now, as my friend Ted Anderson from Midas Resources likes to say, gold, like all commodity markets, fluctuates in price and you could lose money. But it has never been worth zero. Give it some thought. And if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but has since lost 90% of its value. And if things don't change, I'm afraid the trend will continue. Call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237 for gold and tell them Jason Lewis sent you. How would you like to have normal blood pressure? This is Ernesto from Illinois. I had my doctor's appointment yesterday and I got my labs in. My HDL is 119L and my LDL is 37L. My doctor asked what I was doing to lower it so much, so I told her about HB Extract. Millions of people, like Ernesto, are suffering from high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, unbalanced cholesterol, irregular heartbeat, and clogged arteries. But now there's an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation. Heart and Body Extract. My blood pressure has not gone past 125 over 80 in almost a month. Experience amazing benefits when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract. She did a double take when she looked at my ER labs. She couldn't believe it. Order at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. Thank you. Heart and Body Extract. Let's keep preparedness simple. Do you need stuff for disasters? Of course you do. For over 15 years, DisasterStuff.com has, well, stuff for disasters. See? Easy to remember. DisasterStuff.com. Want free shipping on a new Berkey water filter? DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. Lots of folks want an EMP Faraday bag to protect sensitive electronics during a solar or nuclear event. Now for a limited time, all survival gear purchases over $75 include a free 8 by 8 inch EMP Faraday bag. Just enter promo code EMP bag when you check out at disasterstuff.com. We're also a country living grain mill authorized dealer. Plus we offer freeze dry 
fortified foods by Alpine Air and Wise Foods. We also carry emergency kits, survival seeds, and much more. Preparedness should be simple, and it is. Just remember, DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. Welcome back to Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. We have Dan Frakes from Macworld, where he's a senior editor. And he's been immersed, sunken into Mountain Lion. And we'll tell you a lot of things about things that are public. We can't tell you stuff like, for example, his personal reactions because that's covered by Apple's non-disclosure until the date that Mountain Lion is released. And because we're getting to the end of July, it'll probably be a day or two after Apple releases its quarterly financials a few days from now. Is that kind of sensible? Yeah, that sounds about right. Apple has, has said said by by July. And so we've, we've basically got about a week and a half left. Uh, and the rumors I've been hearing are the 25th or the 27th. I, I agree with you that I don't think they'll do it before the financial call. So in the, I'd say after in the few days after that. And of course, we do understand that a golden master seed was sent out to developers. That doesn't mean it's 100% the final version. It could be they find bugs and then they have to make changes. Yeah, but in general, the GMs for Apple, I can only remember, you know, off the top of my head, maybe one instance where a GM ended up not being, in the last maybe seven or eight years, ended up not being the final release. Uh, and of course, you know, whenever Apple releases a new, a major new version of OS X, we eventually, within, I'd say, usually two to three weeks on average, see, you know, version 0.1 of that operating system because you know, they have to stop developing at some point and start working on in release, and then they start working on the bug fixes right away. So the day they had this Golden Master seed, they did version 8.0.1 or something like that. Right, right. Or, yeah, or 8.1 even, maybe. Who, we'll see. I don't know, 10.8.01. Yeah, yeah. 10.8.1, 7, right. 3.59.6.9.7.9. Well, I'm getting crazy here. But we understand there's always going to be that little bit of bugs. But Apple tends to look forward, and some people say Apple's greedy that Apple cuts back the old hardware. But I kind of agree with you. People who upgrade to Mountain Lion as cheap as it is, wouldn't they want to know they have a minimum level of a user experience that's very good rather than putting up with stuff like that or putting up with what you do with Windows where you get some of the experience but not all of it because you don't have a new enough PC? Yeah, I think most Mac users would rather have, would rather get, the full experience, then say, okay, you've got something that's five years old. We'll give you some of it, but not quite. Now, to be fair, Apple does that on the on the um, a little bit on the iOS side, right? Where if you're running iOS five right now and you've got say an uh, iPhone four or three GS, there are a few features you don't get, but for the most part, it's the same user experience, and you get most of those features. And so that's kind of the way Apple rolls when it comes to this thing: is that they say we don't want to support really old machines that aren't going to get everything we want to deliver in this OS. We want to make sure that anybody who installs Mountain Lion gets all of its features. And again, you know, we talked about a couple that, that some people won't get, AirDrop, AirPlay mirroring, PowerNap. But for the most part, if you install Mountain Lion, you're going to get Mountain Lion. And the way it works is you have to be running Snow Leopard 10.6.8 with App Store. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes out for 19.99, you get the update. So it doesn't require getting 
lion. It's just mountain lion. You can go directly from Snow Leopard. If right. you have an older version and you're compatible, you'd have to first buy Snow Leopard for twenty nine ninety nine, and then for nineteen ninety nine get mountain lion is that how it goes yeah but you know the number of people for whom that's going to apply is i mean it's ever dwindling last year there were people running max that shipped with leopard who wanted lion and to do so they had to buy snow leopard first uh but as as we were, were saying the number of of max that support mountain lion that don't support lion is actually not there's a there's a few there and what that means is that there, I think there are, Joe Kissel and I were talking about this. I think there's only two or three Macs that shipped with Leopard that are compatible with Mountain Lion. So the number of people out there who've, who've got a Mac that shipped with Leopard and haven't upgraded to Snow Leopard yet, so they'd have to buy Snow Leopard to get Mountain Lion, I'd say is going to be pretty small. So they make the experience pretty easy. And you wonder by coincidence that Microsoft made the price of Windows 8 so low. Was that in response to Apple? Uh, I think part of it's probably in response to Apple. Part of it's probably just market pressure and the fact that they're feeling a lot of heat between the uh, between uh, you know OS 10 and between iOS and between Android. And I think they basically said, you know, what we got to make sure that people that people upgrade and that people buy this. And so they they lower the price compared to some. Although you know, it's still they're shipping it for. $100, I think, or more for some versions. But yeah, there is a cheap... Possibly, cheap, but there is a version update right. to thirty nine ninety nine and sixty nine ninety nine if you buy the DVD version. But I've been talking with people who work on the PC platform. The suggestion being here, it's going to be largely a consumer adoption of that, that the enterprise is not going to touch Windows 8. It's too complicated for them. They don't want to retrain people. It's just crazy. Yeah, I, mean, I think eventually you'll see Enterprise moving over in that direction. But Enterprise, when it comes to huge updates to Windows, tends to take a one or two or three year wait. I mean, I, you remember when Windows 95 was still the predominant version of, of Windows, you know, five or six years later. Um, so I, that that kind of happens in Enterprise, although... Although you have to consider that over 40% of Windows users still use Windows XP, which came out, what, 11 years ago? Is that still the case? I remember reading yes. someplace yes. that uh, that uh, finally the uh, current version had hit a milestone. But um, I milestone I being that more people are using Windows Seven <laughs> now. But and Vista was a big failure. Yeah. So that's still interesting that so many people are still using Windows XP. I mean, it's like people using Mac OS ten point zero in two thousand twelve. Yeah, it's a uh, it, it it's definitely a slower upgrade cycle. People generally on the Windows side, in my experience working with users. People generally upgrade when they buy a new computer. They don't, unless you're sort of the the power user or the geeky kind of guy or, or woman, you're not going to go out and buy a new upgrade to Windows installed on your current computer. Uh, that's, Part of the reason is that unless you have a very recent version of Windows to upgrade from, the upgrade experience is not always so easy, not so seamless. Yeah, it's not a, it's not as easy, especially uh, Apple's made uh, Mac OS X upgrades much better over the last, I'd say, Three years, Snow Leopard was probably the first one where I say, you know what, this is actually pretty easily, and it, most people aren't going to have any problems. Um, before well, with that, Snow Leopard, yes. Yeah. With Leopard, was a pretty decent upgrade. With Lion, I just ran the upgrade. That was it on mm -hmm. a standard Mac. And the intention is here for Mountain Lion that most people will just install it over Snow Leopard or Lion yeah. without having to do clean installs or wiping your drive or any of that nonsense. It's just going to work. Right, right. And... And and with Lion, that was you know for most people that was pretty much the case. I think the biggest thing for Lion is that, you know, they dropped 
um, Rosetta completely. So people who had older power PC software were kind of out in the cold when it came to running that software. But in terms of compatibility, Lion was pretty good. It was a pretty easy upgrade for most people. Now, looking at the Mountain Lion feature set, they've got over 200 new features. As a year after Lion came out, and the sense I get, and this is something that we can observe just from what's published, is that the iOSification of the operating system, integrating iOS features, seems more complete. Lion, it seemed incomplete. It's like we have a few things here, but maybe we ran out of development time. With Mountain Lion, it's a better revision because it's more complete in that way, works more efficiently. There's this big debate over the iOSification of, of, of OS X, and I think to some extent it's true. Some people are critical about this, and they say, oh, they're trying to turn OS X into iOS. I think for Apple, it's more a matter of making it easier to use both. Where It's uh, the case of going back and forth between right. different operating systems. We'll get into more of this in a moment. Yeah. We have Dan Frakes of Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. If you owe the IRS, you can't make the problem go away without professional help. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax debt problems for 30 years, and I can help you too. We can stabilize IRS collection action and get your tax debt reduced, sometimes completely eliminated. And if you received a 1099 from a bank because of mortgage or other debt forgiveness, the vast majority of the time, I can show you how to completely erase it so you pay no taxes on what the IRS will consider to be taxable income. Call us for a free consultation to discuss the many possibilities. Call 1-800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-N-O-T-A-X. Or go to my website at taxhelponline.com. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you. Call us today, 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. 
Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made Vapriate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit lesig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. Lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. George Washington said, government is not reason, it is not eloquence, it is force, like fire. It is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. America's government is no longer the servant of the people and the protector of our liberty, but has become that fearful master. We the people must understand the nature of this government gone awry if we are to be successful in saving our country. America is being deliberately destroyed by a cabal of international gangsters so that she can be forced into subjugation to a one-world government. The God-given, unalienable rights of the Declaration of Independence are in jeopardy. We must not let them be stolen by ambitious and evil men. Utopia Silver Supplements believes it is our God-given right to make our own health care decisions however we deem best. If we can help you with your supplement needs and better health, then help us win this health freedom battle. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A silver.com. Or call 888-213-4338. Again, 888-213-4338. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Days away from the arrival of Mountain Lion, we're talking about Mountain Lion with Dan Frakes of Macworld Magazine. He's been immersed in the subject and knows as much about it as almost anyone. Of course, we can't talk about the actual upgrade experience until it is officially released, but we can tell you quite a bit of what's going on. And it looks like, in some senses, Apple answered questions that people had about Lion, like, for example, with Autosave. Now, with Autosave, they gave up something called save as a very common feature so explain this why did apple do that and how did they resolve it why did they do that (laughs) that's a good question uh, gina uh you know apple has there seems to be a, a group of people inside apple who say let's hide as much as possible from the user make os 10 as much like ios as possible where you don't have to worry about saving a document you just know it's there and you know, on iOS, I think that works for the most part, although people still complain about the lack of a file system. But on the Mac side, I mean, there's just things that you're doing on a Mac that you're not doing on an iOS device. And so when they took away the ability to to save a copy of a document, just do save as, it threw a lot of people and it made a lot of workflows much more difficult. And so they had a lot of complaints. There was a way to create a new document using the duplicate command and then renaming stuff, but it was messy. And part of this had to do with the autosave feature. You know, in Lion debuted that autosave where it's automatically saving versions of your document in the background. But people didn't see that, and the versions feature is clunky. And so, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a mess. It was one of the places where Lion really did things the wrong way, I think. Uh, and so in Mountain Lion, they've announced that they're going to bring this back. They're going to bring back 
the save as command. And uh, a lot of people are very happy about that. They, they've changed the shortcut, so now you have to do it. I think it's listed on the Apple website as Command-Shift-Option-S or yes, something. Yes, yes. And so it's a little more convoluted in terms of getting there. But you can now save a document under a different name, which is great. Now, one of the problems we have with autosave and version, which is not of Apple's doing, it is the fact that a lot of app developers haven't made their products compatible. I mean, there was... Uh, a press release or something from Microsoft a while back saying they would introduce a Lion-compatible release of Office 2011. So it supports full-screen apps, but that's it. Everything else is just like it was with Snow Leopard. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because the APIs for updating your apps to be to support autosaving versions are so difficult. Uh, I don't know if it's that People, so many people were complaining about the way the feature worked that companies just said, you know what, we're going to hold off on this until it settles down. But yeah, you're right. A lot of apps have not been updated for this feature. I suspect we'll see more of it now that the feature is becoming a little more user-friendly. But um, clearly, Apple has spent a lot of work uh, tweaking autosave inversions in Mountain Lion. Now, social network sensibility is interesting. Of course, Twitter integration this fall, we'll see Facebook integration coinciding with the release of iOS 6. And there's also a built-in sharing feature. Can you talk about that? Well, it's sort of like the, the feature you see in iOS where you've got some content, a web page, um, a tweet or something in an app, and you want to share it with somebody there's that, that little box with an arrow coming out of it. You tap it, and it generally gives you options like post to, send to Twitter, send an email, post to Facebook. And so Apple's bringing that feature to Mac apps. Of course, the developer has to add it to their app, but the API is there, and it's easy for them to do. So, and for so, example, with Safari, you would have a share button. You bring up right. a site, and you click the share button. You get add to reading list, add bookmark, email this page message, which of course is the message application that replaces iChat, and mm -hmm. Twitter. And I assume when the Facebook updates there, it'll say f Facebook. Right. Apple says that it's going to have Twitter, Facebook, Vimeo, Flickr. If it's a file, you're going to be able to send it via AirDrop. Uh, yeah, the idea here is that any way you'd want to get content to someone else or something else, you're going to be able to go through that share sheet. Make it easier for everyone. Yeah. Now, would that be possible with, say, documents within a normal application? You want to share it for somebody. You want to send it to a client. It makes a one-step process. You don't have to go into the file sharing process. From what I understand, that's up to the developer. If they want to be able to do that, uh, they can do it to share, say, selected text, or they could share a document or a file or a photo. So I think that's up to the developer in terms of how they want to implement that. Okay, one feature that's getting... I guess a little bit of controversy for various reasons is Gatekeeper, where you get three options of where your apps are installed from. Number one is strictly from the App Store. Number two is the App Store and applications that get a security certificate from Apple, where they say, this app's all right. And the third is any kind of app. Now, is this going to confuse people? You know, there's actually two issues here, and they kind of some, in some places they overlap, but there are at least two different issues. And one is Gatekeeper. And the other is the Mac App Store sandbox. Right. So, so Gatekeeper is essentially a security feature that lets people who aren't savvy computer users or who aren't power users to feel safe about downloading apps. So they get, the default setting is that you can only download store, uh, apps from the Mac App Store. 
You can't download an app and, and run it from a website that you come across. Now, I understand there's a second setting that's default, which is the one with the security certificate. Well, yeah, there's also the the alert. Or, or, well, there, yeah, there's that's right. There's So there's one that says download from the App Store or from a vendor who is in the App Store but has has registered their apps with Apple and Apple's deemed them, you know, to be safe or whatever. Um, so the idea here is that you'd use that default setting for software that's, that's safe. Um, there's an alert that'll pop up. If you, if you try to launch an app that doesn't have that certificate or hasn't been downloaded from the app store. Uh, and then for the people who are more savvy, they can actually disable this feature and download anything they want uh, and, and run it. So you can also option click on the app icon and click open, and that gives you the option to bypass this. And this is a first launch feature, which means basically the first time you open the app, it checks it. Once you open the app the first time, Gatekeeper's gone. Right. So, so that, I mean, I don't really have a problem. I think that's actually a pretty good feature. I think for the average user, that's great. The, the issue that I think is causing more controversy, yes. deservedly so, is the App Store sandboxing, which started – you know, uh, a month or so ago where um, in order to be, I think, what was it, June? Was it June 15th? Was that? I think it was June 1. June 1? Sure. So any app submitted, any significant update to an app or any new app submitted to the Mac App Store after that date has to abide by these new sandboxing rules, which if you're not familiar with sandboxing means your app can only access data or save data within particular parts of the op- of the operating system or the file system. And those are really strictly defined. And what this is doing, and it can only access certain f- system features and APIs as well. And so what this means is that um, applications that we used to be able to get from Mac App Store that used to do cool things like Text Expander, for example, that could watch any application you're in. And whenever you type a shortcut, it would expand it to you know the full text, can't work under the Mac App Store the way they did before. And so there are a lot of software products that essentially they can't be updated in the Mac App Store because if they're updated, they will they'll be they'll be killed in the Mac App Store. So a lot of vendors are actually pulling their software uh, from the Mac App Store and selling it direct again. And that's really the more controversial thing and and the one that's a little more problematic, I think. Now Apple grants entitlements, which are basically exceptions to the sandboxing where they can take advantage of certain system features to communicate with other apps or OS features, but they're so limited that example, a big example being an app that makes a clone of your hard drive, everything on it, like Carbon Copy Cloner and Super Duper. These apps won't work because they require administrative privileges to get the hidden files and all the accessory things and all the exceptions. Right, and and it, it's it's basically cutting out, you know. And it's, oh, to be fair, Super Duper and and Carbon Copy Cloner were never allowed on the App Store because the App Store rules have always been too restrictive for them. We understand but, that, but the point is they could never be because right. of this, even if they got in before. We have Dan Frakes at MacWorld. He'll be back for one more session on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, 
lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwoods. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. We want to know, how do you use WebEx? I live in my car, sometimes a rental car. Every day, I find a nice, quiet place to pull over and meet a client through WebEx, face-to-face on my smartphone. This is the way to do business. The new free version of WebEx meetings lets you take your office anywhere, your desktop, laptop, or mobile device. Get your free WebEx meetings basic account now at WebEx.com. WebEx from Cisco. W-E-B-E-X.com. WebEx.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800 686 Hello? Congratulations. For what? We're losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. The man who predicted the fall of communism is now predicting the fall of capitalism. He's dined with the Rockefellers, hung out with the Clintons, banged heads with the Beltway, and inspired companies, movements, and empires that have brought forth revolutionary change. He sat shoulder to shoulder with figures like George Bush Sr., Steve Forbes, Margaret Thatcher, and Boris Yeltsin, to name but a few. And his volume of work set out his groundbreaking financial newsletter, Strategic Investment, was so far ahead of its time, it helped transform not just the fates and fortunes of thousands of investors, but also the fates and fortunes of entire nations. For the first time in 17 years, he's back once again with his first controversial video presentation. Go to fallofcapitalism.com to watch him reveal a landmark development, which he believes will set off the most violent economic reversal in history, one that carries the power to bring down the entire capitalist system. Go to fallofcapitalism.com to watch his controversial video before the powers that be wipe it from the internet. Again, it's www.fallofcapitalism.com.
You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Dan Frakes at Macworld, and I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. In our final segment, we were talking about the limitations of the Mac App Store, about sandboxing, where one app is walled off from another, and you have the entitlements, but then you have apps like the ones that make carbon copies of your hard drive. Very important for backups, by the way. Very efficient for backups, because imagine this. You take a carbon copy cloner or super-duper, you make a clone of your drive, say an external FireWire 800 drive or an SSD or something, and then you can reboot from that drive in case something happens with your main drive and you still can keep going. Or if you want to restore your data, say, for example, you have your regular hard drive and it's been used for a couple of years, you want to wipe it clean, start fresh, this is an easy way to do it. So it's a very laudable product, but the way the app store is structured, these apps don't go in there. Yeah, and... It's becoming with sandboxing now it, that those limitations are, are basically expanding to apps that go beyond accessing system level files, right? So there are things like, for example, one of my favorite utilities is Moom from ManyTrix. Uh, and it essentially lets you use the keyboard and the mouse to control window positions and window sizes and, res- and resizing. And it's just a really cool utility that, that uh, makes it easier to do little mundane things with your windows. And by uh, the way, one of the head guys over there is Rob Griffiths. He's their marketing guy. He used to be with Macworld. That's right. And was the founder of macosxhints.com. That's right. So Moom was allowed under the Mac App Store up until June 1st. But because it watches the, essentially the Windows server, which is the, the process that runs in the background and keeps track of where your windows are and, and things like that, it can't work under the new sandboxing rules. So they're in the app store now and, and it remains there, um, the old version, but they can't update it now. They can't give it any new features. They can't do anything beyond bug fixes because the sandboxing rules that went into effect on June 1st say, sorry, this is off limits. Now, do you think Apple would consider the limitations? And maybe it's only a couple of percent of apps that can't go in the Mac app store for whatever reason. Do you think Apple would consider, you know what? Maybe we need to find a way to let these come in in a safe fashion. Yeah, I hope that they do eventually. And I hope that people complain enough that they'll loosen some of these or that they'll make or that they'll group. They'll be a little more generous with granting exceptions. Um, But I'm not going to hold my breath. I mean, I think Apple's position seems to be, look, if it doesn't fit into Mac App Store rules, this is going to be one of those things where Gatekeeper comes in, where these developers can release their stuff outside the App Store. We can give them a developer certificate so that it can get past Gatekeeper, and that's how we're going to do it. I'm afraid that that's how they're going to approach it. I'd love to be proven wrong. but I think the concern I have and some of us have is that the new Mac user, and consider the percentages. According to Apple, every time they release a quarterly financial report, they say, hey, what, folks, 50% of the people who go into an Apple Store are new to the platform. So you have lots of people coming to the platform. Many of them came to Apple by way of the iOS with the iPod, Mm -hmm. with the iPad, with, of course, the iPhone. So now they're used to buying apps from the App Store. So they see an App Store icon on a Mac, and they go there to buy stuff, to buy their applications, maybe not fully realizing 
there's a lot of stuff out there that can't be allowed in the app store, and you don't need to jailbreak anything. It's perfectly legal to run them. No, I completely agree. I mean, and not only that is that if they're coming from iOS, not only do they not think about installing from other places, but they can't, right? It, on the iOS, the only way you can install an app without jailbreaking is through the app, iOS app store. So then they come to the Mac and they think, oh, this must be where I get all my apps. And so I agree. I think that it's it's bad for the Mac platform that some of the really the most functional apps and some of the more interesting apps are not going to be allowed on the Mac App Store, and a lot of these new users aren't going to find them. And so part of this is our job at Macworld and other uh, other publications to basically inform the people to say, hey, look, you know what, here's some cool stuff you should look at. It's not on the Mac App Store, but take a look. I think it's 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 going to be a little worrisome if that's the only way people are going to find out about stuff because it won't show up on the Mac App Store. And what they've done with the Mac App Store under Mountain Lion is even software updates that you get from the system, OS X software updates, they move to the right. Mac App Store. Mm-hmm. All eyes go to the Mac App Store. Right. So all your software updates are coming through there. So therefore, if you have an app that's in, not in the Mac App Store, it still has to use its own mechanism for right. feeding you upgrades. Right. And you even come to the situation where you know, the same app, a lot of developers are releasing two versions. They'll release one for the Mac App Store, and they'll release one that's not on the Mac App Store. And the latter often has more features. But then you let leave the, the user saying, okay, do I really want the hassle of having to update things separately and all that just to get this feature? Or should I just go with the Mac App Store version where I can make, you know, click the mouse button once and it updates all my apps. And put up um, with a few less features, maybe. Right. The other thing you can't do in the Mac App Store is a demo version. You know, right. right now, you see a cool app, and you download a 30-day demo version, a feature-limited demo version, and you buy the user license from within the application. Yeah, and you know, I think that's eventually going to change. I mean, there's just so much demand, and especially on the Mac side where apps aren't necessarily all $1 or $2. You've got a lot of apps in the Mac App Store that are $10 or 15 and some, you know, several hundred. I think there's got to be a way for them to let demo versions, whether it's to allow in-app purchases to upgrade to the full versions or what. Um, I think at some point Apple's going to have to to give in and say, you know what, okay, demo versions are not a bad idea. And they should also make it possible to do a regular feature upgrade. Right now, the problem is here, if you have a feature upgrade and you have, you know, a lot of users who paid the full price and now a year or two later you have the feature upgrade normally you'll charge say half as much it's 29.99 if you're a current user you pay 14.99 no there's no way to do that within the way the mac app store is developed you either have to offer a brand new version at full price a separate version a separate download maybe withdraw the other version or you have to Give, the, full give away the give or give away the new feature, or therefore that's it. Upgrades for life. It's kind of right. like Stone Software used to do. Andrew Stone said, "We give you upgrades for life." Yeah, I, I think that's eventually got to come come around too. It's just you know, Apple wants to kind of revolutionize the way we shop for software, and and to some extent they've done that, and it's and it's benefiting the user. But developers have to be able to survive, and and part of the way they do that is. One, uh, give people demo versions so that they'll have a reason to buy their software. And two, be able to charge when they've spent a lot of work to, do st- to, to bring new features. So I don't, I don't see how Apple could not eventually offer that feature. And maybe loosen the entitlements so 
a few more apps that have perfectly worthy functions get yeah. in there. Maybe they're paranoid also because of things like the flashback malware. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Apple doesn't want to get caught flat-footed like they did with that. And as a result, they would rather err on the side of caution. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, clearly, a lot of the changes in Lion and especially in Mountain Lion and with Sandbox in the Mac App Store are designed with security in mind. I mean, Apple is locking down OS X. They're, they're, they're trying to make it as secure as possible. And they're trying to make it hard for the user to accidentally make it vulnerable. And to some extent, I think that's laudable, and it's making the Mac a, a safe and secure and welcoming platform. Uh, at the same time, they're right now, and, and keep in mind, right now is essentially right after Sandboxing went into effect, right after, right when Mountain Lion is being released. They've kind of, I think, tightened it up a little too much in terms of sacrificing functionality. And I think that we'll see going forward, especially as Apple gets user feedback and I hope this is the case, that they, they'll loosen a few things up, whether it's by being a little looser with, with exceptions or whether it's creating some new APIs that let developers do things that they currently can't do without uh, creating vulnerabilities. Dan Frakes, where do we find more of your stuff? At uh, Macworld.com, of course. Lots of stuff on Mountain Lion. Once it's out, you'll read his personal viewpoints. Those are the editors. Lots of good stuff. You can find us on Twitter. Tech Night Owl. We are Tech Night Owl on Twitter. We have a forum, forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. And we'll talk about government disinformation and lots of wild stuff on the other show, the Paracast about UFOs and things that go bump in the night at Paracast.com. Dan Frakes, thank you so much for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks for having me, G. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.